This week on Interman Radio, we're going to start the show a little differently than in the past. Uh, Mark, yeah, maybe we're going to save some why. money. Yes, we're, we're going to save some money instead of instead of paying all those exorbitant licensing fees, copyright, to, yeah, to use someone else's material. We just decided, you know what? How hard can it be to record the theme music? That's right. Uh, we're pretty talented guys. Yeah, Bill Conti's got nothing on us. <laughs> right, right. So, so we just decided we'd we kind of do a little. Do it yourself, kind of project here. That's right. And I think it turned out pretty good, Mark. Right. It really Mark. good. Yeah. This is Innerman Radio, equipping the inner man for victory through Christ, one honest conversation at a time. So drop those excuses, pick up your Bibles, and recruit a friend. Mark, there's two people. Two people. Uh, well, we've already. This is a story of two people? It's a story of two people. <laughs> That's right. We've got Abe and Lou. Oh, you, yes. Remember yes. Lou? I do. Lou wrote I us, do. He wrote us a, a letter back in the day, anyway. Yes. Yeah. From Sandusky, if I, I remember. I remember right. Lou. Yeah, he made fun of our production values. But, you know, uh, Looking back at First uh, John chapter one, uh-huh. uh, we're going to take Abe and Lou and uh, use them as an example to briefly, t- to briefly talk about what we talked about when we talked about it. So we've got Abe and Lou, uh-huh. and Lou's a dishonest guy. Clearly, right? <laughs> clearly. Okay. But on a- Abe is honest. Honest Abe. All right, Abe is honest, but both have sinned. Right. right? So in First John chapter one, he's kind of going back and forth between between two responses. To sin, two hypothetical people, Abe and Lou, for our the sake of our discussion, but both of these guys have committed sin. One walks in the light, and he has fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, cleanses him from all sin. The other also has sin, but he deceives himself, and the truth is not in him. Right. So, uh, looking back at First John, the issue being addressed in First John really isn't whether or not you're a dirty, rotten sinner. And you're condemned for being that. Right. Or whether or not you're condemned to always be a sinner and there's no way of getting out of it. And if you say you're out of it, you're a liar. That's not it either. Really, the issue in 1 John is, are you going to be honest about it? Right. Because, and we use funny, uh, we use Abe and Lou kind of Mm. as an example. Obviously, to clarify for the listening audience, there is no Abe or Lou in 1 John. Yeah, n- right. yeah, the names have been changed, and if there's any relevance to it, it's purely coincidental. Right, That's right. right, to protect the guilty. So, uh, but in this case, really John does lay out an instance of two individuals. Yes. One's being honest, one is not. So chapter one's about walking in the light, in other words, being honest with God and with one another. Yeah, exactly. So if the purpose of this letter then... It's really to force us to confess our dirty, rotten state to one another and before God, yes? Yeah, that's exactly what we just read. Is <laughs> No, of course not. On, on Sunday because... morning to go forward and sit in and the front confess. Confess it all. Confess it all. Yeah. yeah no. no. See, because chapter 2, verse 1, John, John obviously didn't put the chapter break in, so he's still talking about the same thing when he says, My little children, I am writing these things to you. That you may not sin. So all the stuff that he just said about 
If we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves. The truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous. If we say we haven't sinned, we make him. He says, I'm writing these things to you that you may not sin. Not so that you will be honest about your continuing state of sin. Right. I'm still a sinner, brother. (laughs) But rather that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, emphasis on the if, Mm -hmm. we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Right. So if you do sin, sweep it under the rug because it's already advocated for. This is going to be a tough one today. (laughs) Yeah. No, you have an advocate. So because you do, you have the opportunity to bring it before the Lord, knowing that you don't have to go it alone. So we don't have to sweep it under the rug. And that's one of the great, the great um, detriments or the, or the weaknesses of the law system is somebody who is anticipating um, reprisal tends not to be very honest when it comes to confession. Hmm. When it comes to dealing with their issues, if I know that punishment awaits me, well, then my initiative, I, I, my initiative is let's not bring it up. So you're operating out of fear, not out of love. Right. Okay. But if I know I have an advocate, well, then that's different. That gives me the opportunity to take that thing that I want to change, put it in the open, confess it like chapter one, and then deal with it. Okay, so uh, a lot of times people will, uh, we have a tendency to not want to have to deal with our sin oftentimes. Yes. Uh, we, we do, uh, it's easier to sweep it under the rug. It but is. But faith in Christ clears that up because the more we believe in what Christ is about and we have faith in him, the more we're operating without that fear of going to him with those, with those issues. Right, so, so the, the door is open. Okay, let's fix it. Let's deal with it. Okay, but does anyone actually feel guilty anymore anyway about anything, Mark? About it? I, mean, about any, I think shame. there's a pill for that. I yeah. don't think you need to feel guilty <laughs> no, anymore. No, I mean, no, people don't lie anymore. They don't feel shame anymore. It's a youthful oh, indiscretion. Oh, yes, an indiscretion. Okay. Yeah, or, mm-hmm. you know, I had a I had a lapse in judgment. Did you? <laughs> yeah, a lapse in judgment. Uh, right. It was right. a mistake. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, mm-hmm. anyway. There, there's lots of ways that people do get around taking some responsibility for their actions. And sadly, sometimes I think Christians are to blame in that they're so busy trying to trying to give grace that they don't allow the law to really do its job, which is bring somebody to conviction that they've done wrong. What? Did I use the wrong word? Oh, yeah. You just... Okay, okay, everybody. You just heard Mark Miller say that Christians are too busy... With grace. Giving grace, right? Yeah, right. too busy giving grace. Okay, there that's all we need more to hear. brimstone. For those who want to have something against Mark Miller, you it's, just... It's recorded. There it you is. got it. Right there. Yeah. Okay, do explain. I'm giving you an opportunity sure. to, to... Yeah, to, what, what do you mean here? You know, it's easy for Christians to try and soft sell sin. Because people don't like to talk about sin. They don't like to, to, to uh, be called to account for what they've done that's wrong. So... Many of the religious groups out there today don't deal with sin at all. They would prefer to put on a really big smile mm-hmm. and not talk about the fact that there is a price for sin. That price is called hell and that people need to be moving. I can't remember who said this. Um, uh, it, Joel it escapes, No, it wasn't him. Benny Hinn. So, uh, no, a concerned church makes anxious sinners. I think it might have been Billy's Sunday. But, hmm. but uh, you know, 
why should the world be concerned about changing their behavior if the church is not concerned about the ramifications of their actions? Mm-hmm. If we're not telling the world that they're in danger, who else is going to tell them? And so, but because of that, and because churches have become market-driven rather than truth-driven or gospel-driven, then they tend to pander to to that market segment. Yeah, because it's easy for all of us to say, "Well, I know God, and 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 you know God, and I, we all well, know we, God. We do. We well, yeah, we, don't we know. do. Lou doesn't. <laughs> Verdict's still out on. Yeah, Lou. you know. So, First John chapter two. Yeah. So we made it to verse three, I think, haven't we? But somewhere in there, yeah. Okay. So how do we know? How do we know if we know God? How do we know if we know? How do we this know is if really we know? going smoothly. <laughs> <laughs> how do we know if we know that we know? We're going to need our, our executive editor <laughs> to cut some of this out. Right. Well, that's the real question because, okay, so if you're going to be honest, the first person who's usually deceived is you. Yeah. I should say, if you're going to be deceitful, the first person, right? If we're going to be honest about the issue, the first person that usually gets deceived is the one doing the deceiving. Right. So John has to deal with that question because it's really easy for people to say, I love God. Mm -hmm. And that simply be the way that they're deceiving themselves. Because it's easy to say, I love God, isn't it? It is. It's, it is. It's super easy. But John gives us a test for that in uh, 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. He says, By this we know, that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. So if you got the Ten Commandments down, yep. you then for sure you know God. Yeah, well, no, because there's more to the commandments than just the Ten. There are. Those it, are the big ones. Yeah, that's right. There are really only two, right? There are really only two commandments, and the first is, Love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like it because it comes from it, which is love your neighbor as yourself. And those really are the commandments. The one who says, I have come to know him, in verse 4, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. If the commandment is love your brother, all of a sudden we have a test for whether or not our love for God is genuine. But whoever keeps his word, in verse 5, in him the love of God has truly been perfected, and by this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. So, yes, it's easy to say, I love God, but John gives us a little bit of a test here to see how we're doing on the love for God, and that is how we're doing on the love for our brother. Oh, good. How about yourself? <laughs> yeah, that was easy. Okay. Yeah, there we go. Okay, seriously, getting back to getting back to verse 7 here in 1 John 2, he says, Beloved, I am not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard. On the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already, already shining. The one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now, the one who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. This sounds an awful lot like uh, when Jesus is giving us a new commandment. It sure which does. Which really isn't a new commandment. It's not at all. In John 13, in, uh, in verse 34, Jesus said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And by this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Jesus said, I'm giving you a new commandment, but it's not really new. 
really it's the same commandment. Because if you love God, you're going to love the child born of him, something that First John is going to bring out in a later chapter. But the test is still there. If you love God, you're going to love your brother. So it's not a new commandment. It's the same one that you've had from the beginning. Yeah, and so, okay, I'm going to back away from this from just a little bit here. <clears throat> and this is, this is not, so we, we got our share of, um, we had our share of fun this last summer by, uh, by walking past a particular neighbor's house who has a sign in their yard that says, hate has no place in this house. Okay, now, now the, the funny thing about this particular sign at this particular house is that these people are the most hateful people. <laughs> in, in, and I, I'm trying not to be, well, they, they would speed up just to make the kids in the street scared who are shooting hoops in the street, right? So, so and, and, and um, I know they, it sounds are, like Are they also the, the, the head of the homeowners association? Are they? No, okay. we, we don't have one of those. Thank goodness. <laughs> um, my blue tarps would have to go. <laughs> But there's irony there, and so often we see in bumper sticker politics that there's a lot of irony in those bumper stickers when we're behind cars. We think, yeah, hmm, that's interesting. Yeah. So the person saying coexist is actually telling you just to shut up and sit down. Yeah, right. Okay. Right. So, so it, they we we have no hate in this house is really a political statement to say anyone who doesn't agree with us is hateful. Mm -hmm. So, in this instance, it seems using. Boy, we sure got off there, but no, we didn't, Mark. We're getting back to it. it it's it really, all part of the master plan. It, it is. Uh, it's so easy to say we we just need to love one another, and it's all <laughs> about love, <laughs> right? And and it's all about the love of Jesus, which we all know we have. Okay, how do I really know if I really love my brother? Like, for how do I not be the person who has the I'm not going to hate people, you know. I don't hate people, yeah. But I do hate people. Uh -huh. How am I going to be the per not be the person that has the the bumper sticker that broadcasts to the world that we should be tolerant, except for for you? Yeah, except but for the people who words, don't agree with me. Another, yeah. How how do as Christians, it's so easy for us to fall into that trap and just say, well, yeah, I love my brother, but stepping back and doing a little bit of self examination. How are we supposed to really examine that? Well, I'll tell you what, it's easier for me personally to love my neighbor if he stays on his side of the fence. Yes. Yeah. yeah especially if they've got a sign in their yard. Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. But so often, you know, we're, we're not, uh, you can maintain that, that facade in the mind of, of, I love my brother, as long as you don't really have to deal with your brother. If you've really got to get in with him and you've got to help him and you're interacting with your brother, then loving him becomes a lot more difficult. You know, you, you, those, uh, well, I don't know, sometimes uh, there's organizations that try and, and make it easy. You know, you're going to love the refugees from somewhere by donating $3 per day. It's the cost of one cup of coffee, and that's how you're going to really know that you love Right. Somebody somewhere. Right. And that's not bad. No, but it didn't really cost me much okay. either. I mean, it, you know, the, the, I, but if we're going to love our neighbor, we're going to be involved with our neighbor. If we're going to love our brother in our assembly, we're going to be involved with our brethren inside the assembly. Hmm. So that, uh, because otherwise, it, it's just as detached for us 
as somebody who says, I love God, but God never puts any, um, puts any demands on that relationship. Um, God never needs to borrow 20 bucks. Um, God never needs to use your lawnmower. God mm-hmm. never needs to, right? He, need, he never needs help moving. He has a truck of his own. And so it's easy for us to say, well, I love God, because we don't have the interaction necessarily in the same way. But when it comes to our neighbor who says, hey, neighbor, you know, I could really use this or Hey, you know, God never does us wrong in that sense. We don't have to we don't have to forgive God for his transgressions against right, us. Right. But my neighbor, whether real or imagined, I do. And so that those things really test our love as to whether or not it's a genuine love or whether we're just going through the motions. Yeah, so I'm reminded of what he says uh, in John chapter 15. And notice, I don't think it's a coincidence that we're referring back to the book of John uh-uh. when working through 1 John. The messages in, in both instances are parallel. They're, they're really one and the same, just said in a little different way. Yep. Um, in John chapter uh, 15 and verse 13, he says, Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for my friends. And this is following up right after verse 12. This is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. The litmus test is sacrifice. It always is. You know, so even in this case, we're, we're, we're having a little bit of fun with the sign down the street. Yeah. You know, do I really love those people enough to sacrifice for them? Mm-hmm. Uh, do we love the person who we disagree with enough to sacrifice? So, so let's try and take that principle, and let's try and make that even, even a little bit more nuts and bolts. So when we say, you know, I'm going to sacrifice for my... For my neighbor, I'm going to love my neighbor. What does that? What should that look like in practice? Okay, so uh, you mean like when we're driving down the road and we see somebody broken down on the side of the road, flat tire. It's a pregnant mom with four kids um, next to her, and it's winter, <laughs> and they're by themselves, and we stop and help them. I, th- I think that would be a good start. Yeah, okay. I think I right. think that would be good. Uh, what about so fleshing that out? What does that look like? You mean like when somebody wants to borrow our lawnmower, we say yeah. Is that what you mean? Do they live close by? Yeah, um, and, yeah. They, and we know okay. they give it back with a full tank. Oh, well, then yes, I would say we should love that person. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, how, how about this? Okay, so we know that someone who's on the way up in life, uh, we uh-huh. we uh, mm-hmm. give them give, give them I like it a thousand bucks to help. Mount, right, we kind of wink and tell them to right. remember us down the road. That's right. Is that kind of what you're talking about? You got it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. See, we know that real love is demonstrated by sacrifice, which we talked about earlier. See, and that sacrifice is not an investment in them that we're going to be repaid. Um, but he says in verse 6, the one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. So, we're supposed to love people the way that Jesus loved them. So if there was a pregnant mom with four kids and a yep. flat tire and a snowstorm, I'm pretty sure Jesus would stop to help. Yes. Okay. All <laughs> right. right. I'm pretty sure that if, you know, a guy needed to borrow Jesus' lawnmower, he, he could he could borrow the lawnmower. Pretty, pretty yep. sure. Yep. But that's really not how Jesus loves people. That's not how the love of God has been demonstrated to mankind. God's love is shown to us through Jesus sacrificing for their spiritual good. And if we're going to really love people, it has to include a genuine concern and a sacrifice for them spiritually, not just to help them get the grass cut. So what does that look like? It means 
I'm knocking on their door. It means I'm praying for opportunity to be able to, to have a reason to be in their space and to begin a conversation about Jesus, to give them the option of sitting down and discussing Jesus. I'm looking for ways wherein I can make a positive difference on their eternal destiny. That's what it looks like to really love your neighbor. Everything else is just preparatory. And so if a person doesn't get to the point to where they're doing that, yeah. as a person grows in love and faith himself, yeah. then what does that say? It means they don't really love their neighbor. I mean, if, if, if we were to, to extend this out to its rational end here, um, it's going to be very different, difficult for you to claim that you loved your neighbor if on judgment day you've never taken the time to walk across the street to engage them in a spiritual discussion. I, mean, I, I don't know how you're going to make that fly with the Lord. Lord, I really love my neighbor. It just, you know, the opportunity never arose. I mean, I really, I really cared about him. But, you know, you know, I, the time just wasn't right. That is a hard sell. I don't think the Lord is going to buy that. So if we're not concerned about their soul enough to sacrifice, enough to move the, move the ball, we're just kidding ourselves that we really love our neighbor. And if we're kidding ourselves about loving our neighbor whom we have seen, then we're kidding ourselves about loving God whom we have not seen. Yeah. And if that's the case, are we really Christians? We have to ask that question. Certainly we're not walking by the commandment which is to love the Lord and to love our neighbor. Ultimately, there's not a particular, um, you know, there's not a, a checklist or, a, or a, some, kind of a, uh, some kind of a scales or balance that we can put our life into um, in which, you know, it's kind of an objective test for everybody else to see. Mm-hmm. Um, the scriptures don't really give us that. If you want to be self-deceived, you have the opportunity to do that. But... Each of us has to do a little bit of soul searching and ask ourselves, do I love my neighbor? Do I really love the Lord? Am I sacrificing for the Lord? Am I putting my neighbor's needs above my own? And if we're inclined to say, yeah, yeah, I do, yes, then the next question would be, can I love them more? Yep. I think that's a great question. You know, that's where we ought to end the episode is, what can I do for my neighbor? Can I love my neighbor more than I love him now? We want to walk in the light. We don't want to be self-deceived about our love for God. Let's love our neighbor more. And we'll see you next time on Interman Radio. Radio.